Hello, everybody, and welcome to, what is it, episode four? Yes. We are in episode four of Dun to Death. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Keep I up. like, yeah. <laughs> um, we have some housekeeping today. Yes, yes, yes. Some really good housekeeping. Um, we just announced, as of the time this is recording, about two hours ago, mm-hmm. that we are partnering with Walner Media... That is with Jeff Walner, a former Los Angeles Dodgers player, um, <laughs> who has made his way into the entertainment world. Um, through talks with him, we are going to be doing our first ever fan attended live event. Yay! Yes. Um, I'm so excited. I don't even know how to feel right now. Like it's a lot. There's, I was I was in the pool just drifting. There's, like there's anxiety, there's joy, there's fear. Yes, there are so many emotions, and some yeah. of us aren't dealing with them well. Yes, uh, Kelsey had to leave work yesterday because she got over anxietified. If that's a word, a, I got a migraine. Yes, which is ran into today. Right, um, I snapped it. Rob. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. He's usually my punching bag. My it's bad. Um, I'm just excited because this is potentially the first of many wonderful things to come in the future. It's happening. It's happening. Like things like, are, the stories we, are aligning. We do have a venue for this. We do. Um, once everything is more settled because we are, we are, we are gathering other sponsors as well. Doing some last minute final touches. Right. We have a lot of stuff in order. We're just tweaking. Right. And also next week. Yeah. Um, we will not be anywhere near our home. We will be at the New Jersey Horror Con in Atlantic City. <laughs> through Walner Media as well. <laughs> um, details will be coming on our Instagram, Facebook. TikTok, everything. So, yeah, this is the first official podcast that we get to make a major announcement on. And then tomorrow, of course, when we do live riffing on horror. I don't even know. My heart hurts. So, So you want to talk about killers now? Let's talk about killers because this is fucking killing me. I know. But this one was fun. (laughs) Oh, Um, fun? (laughs) Yeah. This one was really interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but okay. this is interesting because this is last minute. Yes. All right. So we were, we were, <laughs> we were going to do Son of Sam for this episode, as we said last week, because we did announce that we were going to do Son of Sam oh. and Son, um, Summer of Sam, the movie. Yes. We've changed that because Kelsey went down the fucking rabbit hole. Sure did. Hardcore. Now, I also have gone down the rabbit hole on many different things surrounding Dave Berkowitz and his cult, his uh, manic episodes, his psychosis, yeah. his arson setting. There's, there's a lot about David Berkowitz. So before we get into today's case slash movie, we are announcing that next week is going to be part one. Yes. Of Dave Berkowitz. Our first two-parter. Our first two-parter. So next week and the week after, we will, being, will be everything Son of Sam, Dave Berkowitz, Sons of Sam, Summer of Sam. Yeah. 
everything there surrounding. There was no way I was getting all my information into 45 minutes. Right. No, I, let I, alone I, yeah. the movies. Right, because Dave Berkowitz is something that I would like to talk about as well. Because yeah. I've, I've also went down that rabbit hole. So, And I will say right now that when, I, when we said we were going to do that, I'm like, okay, he was a schizophrenic weirdo. Cut and dry, that's it. And then I did some research, and I was like, oh, no. And then you did more research. <laughs> oh, no, no. And then more research. Yes. And so, postponing. <laughs> right. But this week, it was quick. Um, I didn't have to watch a movie in preparation because I already knew the story. I already watched both movies, yeah. which I will discuss today on my, my portion and um, it's probably going to be a relatively fast episode today as well. Like, I'm, I'm guessing, like, 20, 25 minutes, yes. probably. Yeah. Um, but I do want to give a trigger warning because there oh, yeah. is sexual assault in um, at least one of my cases. Um, With a minor. Well, they're all minors. I'm saying the sexual assault because she was 16. If they did, they did not give that in the information that I have. Okay, we'll get there. Because they changed it from a saxophone to a trumpet for the movie. Uh, and we have to discuss now, the trumpet I'm, scene. Yeah. I'm guessing he he sexually assaulted all of them. Correct. Um, but they definitely, like, the, the information, and I had several different sources um, that only hit on one sexual assault. But it seems like I, there has to be more. So anyway, okay, we are talking about the Phantom Killer, aka the Texacar Texarkana Texarkana murders, and the Phantom Moonlight murders. Oh yeah, and the movie that they're based off of, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is a hell of a fucking movie yeah. name. Which it is really actually, is. I mean, yes. When you, yes. hear, when you hear what happened and, like, how everything played out, that is the best title they could have yeah. made. So, anyway, this is a group of unsolved murder... Mur- this is a clan... Did you just group- fucking moo? Yes. Okay. Because I tried to say murders and it came out mortals. Moida. <laughs> unsolved shout murders. Out to, shout out to Morbid. Yes. <laughs> so, unsolved murders and violent crimes committed around... Texarkana in spring of 1946, within 10 weeks span. Eight were attacked and five were killed. This began February 22nd, 1946 until May 3rd, 1946. And it usually only happened on the weekends. Which is for very very good reason, actually. Because that's when all the kids were around well, for yeah. Lover's Lane and they were going to movies until fucking 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um... And if you don't know what Texarkana was, is, I didn't know what it was either. It is... And the, I was going to say, sorry, I looked at you when you said, what the hell is Texarkana? And I was like, oh, you don't, you don't know? Well, no, I know now. But, like, at first, it was just, like, it's a city on the border of Texas and Arkansas, and it yeah. actually goes across both borders. Correct. So there was a lot of people involved in this. So let's get right into the attacks, because, like I said, there was eight attacks. Um, well, eight people attacked. They were two at a time. Right. So February 22nd, 1946 is when it started with Jimmy Hollis, who was 25, and Mary Larry. 
He was 19. They went to the movies and they drove down a secluded road, a.k.a. a lover's lane, to make out. When a flashlight beam struck Hollis in the eyes and a man's voice ordered him to take off his pants. Take off your fucking pants. Yes. Imagine. Hollis was then savagely beaten, stomped, and clobbered until his skull cracked, resulting in a three-day coma. Larry was told to run. And the attacker, so she starts running, and the attacker's like, no, wait, run the other way. Yeah. So then she starts running the other way, and he then begins to chase her. When he does catch her, she is sexually assaulted with the barrel of a gun. Yep. Which, ugh. Yeah, no Um, good. And they both survived this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When they were talking to the police, Hollis, so Jimmy, says he doesn't remember much, obviously, um, but he believes it was a white man who attacked them. As Larry says, it was a black man with a white sack on his head with holes cut out for the eyes and the mouth. Correct. And um, the reason why uh, the man said that it was a white male is because he said he didn't see any sack. There yeah. were, he could clearly see there was a face. Yeah. Yeah, so. So that's, that's about the only description we get of somebody as far as, like, right. well, everybody else dies. Right. So they There's, really, there is no one else to give a description of this man. Absolutely none. <laughs> um, Which is wild. Yeah. So a month later in March, uh, Richard Griffin, who's 29, and Polly Ann Moore, 17, were also on a lover's lane after leaving a double date with Griffin's sister and her boyfriend. Um, the couple had only been together for six weeks. Griffin was a veteran and he worked as a carpenter and painter. Moore lived in a nearby boarding house with her cousin. The two were found the following morning with a fatal shot to the back of the head. Mm. So next month, each one was about three weeks apart. They say, you know, a month apart, but it's about roughly right. three weeks. And this is in the span of like four months, right? Or like three months? It was it, like it, it was said a quick... ten weeks. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So every three weeks he right. was killing another couple. So in April, this is the youngest couple that was murdered. They were high school sweethearts. Paul Martin, who was 16, and Betty Jo Booker was 15. Martin was picking Booker up from a dance because she had played saxophone in a band. Martin was found in the early morning, five hours after picking up his girlfriend, with four bullet wounds. Once they found him, they started a search party for Booker, and she was found six hours after that. She was only two miles away. And she was uh, found with a shot in her head and a shot in the heart. Mm. And it really seems like... So the two, the second murder, they were both found in the car together. Right. The first murder, one was, you know, neither one died, but one was tortured and beaten in one position, like one place. And then the other one was chased down. Correct. And it seems to me... That the third murder, where he was shot in the car with four bullet wounds, mm-hmm. and she was found two miles down the road, it sounds like he got some sort of sexual gratification from watching them run. Like, okay, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the thrill of the chase. Yeah. Now, this was not in any of the, the details that I read. I don't know if it's because of like a lack of you know, information. 
where it got lost or something. I don't. I'm well, not there were sure. some things that were lost in these cases because um, you got to think there was like four or five different police departments working on it. Yes. There was the the different um, the Texas and Arkansas and uh, FBI and FBI the Texas and, Rangers. Yeah, the te- all these people had their hands everywhere. Not to mention. Um, people were allowed to gather in crowds at all of these fucking uh, crime scenes. And they were mostly, like, the media was mostly concerned on the hysteria of it all. Correct. I don't think it really had any, like, they weren't worried about the victims. It was more of a mass hysteria trying to cause panic. But you can definitely see some sort of gratification that this man is getting from chasing down his victims. Yes. So at this point, like we said, Texarkana police, Texas Rangers, FBI were all in the case and they were believing they were looking for one perpetrator. The last attack happened on May 3rd, 1946. It was Virgil Starks, who was 37, was reading a newspaper in his home in the living room when two bullets shot through the window and hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. This killed him instantly. His wife, Katie, rushed in to help, and two more shots came in through the window, striking her in the face. She was still alive, and she fled to a neighbor's in her blood-soaked nightgown. Wait a minute. There's one majorly cool detail about this. What was that? Shot her in the fucking jaw, and oh, her was jaw door. was, like, open. Hanging off of yes. her? Yes. And um, I'll tell you some more after. When she gets to the neighbor's house, what do you got after that? That was the, they okay. just ran to the neighbor's house to okay. get help. Get this shit. After they got to the fucking neighbor's house. It's a motorcycle. Oh, somebody from across the street, like, I guess he was the one designated in charge to, like, let the whole fucking street know if um, somebody had gotten attacked. So he let off his shotgun into the air. Bang, bang. That makes sense. And everybody came out of their fucking house. That and they were like, uh, Mabel got, what was her name? Katie. Katie. Katie got shot. Katie got... And everybody fucking started running around looking for something that didn't belong. Also... That makes sense. Another thing that happened was the police... uh, Police chief is actually friends with Katie and her husband. And Mm -hmm. the officers were riding down the road and they saw a mysterious car. Like an older model car that had never been seen on that road before. They didn't think nothing of it because maybe it was like visitors or something. Yeah. And by the time they made their way back... It was gone. It was gone. Katie had been shot. Everything was going nuts. And when Katie was in the police car, because they didn't have time to wait for an ambulance, uh, I found this out on Morbid, actually, when I listened to their Mm -hmm. episode. She had a gold filling in her tooth. And she pulled it out and Uh gave it to one of the cops and said, don't lose this. It's worth a lot of money. (laughs) What a bad bitch. Right? (laughs) You get shot in the fucking jaw. I just, like, even getting <laughs> shot in the face and running to your neighbor's house right. is like, that's a bad bitch. Right. And then just all of this, it's like, okay, you're a super duper bad bitch. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> so let's talk about the suspects. Because there was at least definitely one that they had questioned. Um, so the FBI, like, backtrack, hold on. Or fast forward, technically. Right. The FBI recently released all the archive documents that totaled 1,100 pages, including a list of suspects. Now, see, I didn't know that they did that. They just did it February of uh, 2020. They just did it last year. That's fucking crazy. 
Yeah, so, and I did look at some of them, but it's police handwriting. Oh, I don't know yeah, if you've so. ever gotten a ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's... I get them quite often. I can't read a damn thing. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so it's definitely something that, you know, if you were interested in, you could look that up. They just released everything. Yeah, that's cool. Um, on June 28th, 1946, the police were tracking a stolen car, and they arrested Peggy Stevens Swinney who was 21, and she had recently married Yule Lee Swinney, who was 29. Um, and they had consummated their marriage by stealing a car together. Mm-hmm. Now, while she was being questioned, Mrs. Sweeney gave information about one of the murders, but um, saying that her husband had committed it. But she was barred from testifying because they were married at the, mm-hmm. you know, and there was no other evidence that linked him to the murders. So when the cops called up, to Mr. Sweeney, like, two weeks later, he unprompted asked if he was getting the chair, <clears throat> which is weird. Right. Like, you stole yeah. a car, and you've been arrested for stealing cars before, and you're just like, oh, I'm going to get the chair, aren't I? Right, no. It's weird. Yeah. But like they said, there was nothing that could tie them to it or anything like that. So ultimately, he was jailed for car theft. Right. Um, so that was 1946. He was arrested, and he was released in 1973. There was talk that the disappearance of a woman named Virginia Carpenter, 21, um, in 1948 was work of the Phantom Killer as well. But if it was Sweeney, it couldn't have been because he was still incarcerated at this time. Okay. Um, There was a woman in 1999 and 2000 who anonymously wrote letters to victims' families apologizing for what her father done. Correct. Now, this was... um Apparently, he told her that he did this, and then she told everybody, and then once the cops caught up before his deathbed or something, he was like, nah, I didn't do this. Well, it wasn't Sweeney. Okay. Because Sweeney didn't have any daughters. Okay. So, I don't know who this guy is. Hmm. Um, The second suspect, uh, which they didn't figure out until after he was dead, his name is Duty Tennyson. (laughs) Duty. Duty. He was an 18-year-old college student, and he committed suicide on November, in November of 1948. In his suicide note, he had confessed to some of the murders. There is a book written by Judy's first cousin, once removed. <laughs> wow, that's some definite Texarkana right? shit. <laughs> um, and he is also a forensic psychiatrist. His name is John Tennyson, MD. And For some book- reason, I thought you were going to say John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> I don't know. Continue. I'm la, la, silly. La, 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 la. Um, his book is called Did Duty Do It? <laughs> no. Did Duty Do It? No. Yes. You're fucking lying. No, to you me. want to read my nose? No. Did Duty Do It? No. Oh, 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 child. Sarkana. <laughs> oh, child. Sweet child. Um, so, this book analyzes Duty's writings that he kept in a lockbox. Oh, his real name was like H.B. It was initials, but everybody called him duty. What the fuck? I don't know. But um, he analyzes his writings that he kept in a a lockbox that was left for his family once he died. And I did start reading some of his notes. And it just really, to me, sounded like he was a confused teenager. He was going through some stuff. And when in his suicide note, he was like, you know, um... 
I'm sorry I couldn't be a doctor. Like, Dad, you don't have to worry about me being a failure. And Mom, you don't have to worry about taking care of me anymore and stuff like that. Yeah, he's definitely a weirdo. (laughs) So it really (laughs) didn't seem like he had done anything incriminating or malicious. He was just Going through it. Yeah. Um, But it did seem like a really, a really interesting book. Did duty do it? Did duty do it? Right. Um, I do have some fun facts about the movie, though. Do you want to save that for when I go to the trivia section of my of the movie on mine? I do. Okay, then we'll save that. Okay. Save that little sprinkling of seasoning. Do we have anything else on that? Um, no, I don't. It was pretty short and sweet for my end. My end's actually pretty short and sweet too. I've only got like four pages here. Oh. Which is. Only four pages. I got like front and back half. Yeah, a page. well, you got to remember. You got to remember. Mine also is more trivia. Then there's also uh, cast and all that shit. Yeah. And I include cast pictures. I yeah. because you know, I just copy and paste. Um. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> okay, so movie name: The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Runtime: One hour and thirty minutes. Production company. Company, not companies. Ooh, Ooh. Our first American one. International Pictures. Very nice. The budget was four hundred thousand. The box office was five million. I did see it made yeah. a lot of money. It made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. And that's very strange because you would think something like that, that even though it, even though it was based off of real life and even though, you know, everything, they could have still made mo- movies off of that. They could have made a lot of movies. And in fact, I'll get to one bit of trivia beforehand. Friday the 13th stole the sack idea mm. in Friday the 13th Part 2 when Jason Voorhees wore that in that film. Oh. That, was, that was literally directly stolen from the hmm. town that dreaded sundown and the Moonlight Murders. So, screenplay was by Earl E. Smith, directed by Charles B. Pierce. Cinematography was James W. Robertson. And it was released on Christmas Eve, 1976. Very nice. How, how, what a wonderful, the, the one that we did last time was Christmas was Day. Christmas, yeah. Christmas Day. Wow. Um, you can watch it through subscription at Paramount Plus, Epics, Hoopla, and DirecTV. Hoopla! <laughs> and you can rent and own it through Apple TV, Prime Video, Google Play, YouTube, Voodoo, and the Microsoft Score. Store, not score. Because I said Microsoft score. Microsoft store? Microsoft store. Yeah, I Okay. Got it. Ratings. Ratings. Uh, six out of ten on MDIB, which is IMDb. Uh-huh. 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. And 91% of Google users gave it, uh, and, well, 90%, 91% of Google users liked it. Jesus fucking Christ. And that was with 16 reviews and it equaled out to a four-star rating. Okay. So that's how they got a 91%. All 16 came from Texarkana. More than. Uh, podcasts that this is mentioned in is Morbid, episode number 159. Huh? Red Web. Nope, I'm scared. <laughs> dark Histories, two parts. I like Dark Histories. Horror Soup and Crime Binge. So those are the, if you go into any of podcasting things, and also done to death. Yeah. Uh, the plot is, 
The residents of 1946 Texarkana, Texas, should be celebrating the return of their boys from World War II, but a mysterious hooded killer is stalking victims by night, murdering them in horrendous ways, and completely befuddling the local police force. Related media is the town that dreaded sundown in 2014. Now, the thing is, uh, the town that dreaded sundown in 2014 is billed as a remake, but it's not. It's literally a reimagining and continuation of the first film. Oh, okay. Because in this movie, they actually say who the killer is. I'm not going to, like, spoil it. Because a lot of people didn't see the 2014 one because they thought it was a remake. And and it's not. And it's it's not. It's a continuation. It's a continuation. And the movie even begins with footage from the 1976 film. Oh. Because they show it annually in Texarkana. That was one of my facts. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and yes, they do. And they made that. On Halloween. On Halloween. And they put that into the fucking movie. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Which is so wild. So they made it kind of meta in the same sense that, you know what I mean? So I thought that was cool. Um... Like I said, I'm not going to give away anything because in the movie, like, there's there's all sorts of, like, movie posters and there's all sorts of, like, criminal things Mm -hmm. and it's just wild. It's it's definitely cool. Now, I wanted to say something personally on The Town That Dreaded Sundown from um, 1976. This movie was half comedy. Okay. All right, because the police officers were made to look like bumbling idiots. Oh, yeah. Like, there was literally, like, one of the officers was almost like Gomer Pyle dumb. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they fucking drove a police car into a ravine and played, like, comedy music. And there was a lot of really fucking stupid shit that they did in this movie. Well, okay, the police or in general? Not the police. Just, oh, in, ge- okay. just in general, too. Like, because I did see... I did miss a chunk of my notes here, which is kind of funny, too. Okay. Um, so, Life Magazine. Yes. I was telling you, like, they made it hysteria and stuff, but they went to the community and asked how they were coping with the terror of the town. Right. And they were putting, like, pots and pans in their windows and doors and stuff as booby traps. Mm-hmm. And they were um, buying locks and guns and all yeah, sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, people never owned a gun before in their life had owned a, a gun. loaded gun yes. in every single room, including under their pillows. Yes. Please and don't put loaded guns under your pillows. Not at all. <laughs> and apparently, apparently it was getting so bad that people were, if they heard noises, uh, again, like I told you about the shotgun thing, yeah. that was on that street. But on other streets, people were just shooting yeah. at people. Without even knowing what the They're fuck they were shooting at. Buying guard dogs. Like, there yes. was no blinds or um, window covers, window shades in yeah. any store because they were all bought. Because they were all bought. Yeah, that's how, that's how fucking crazy that shit got. But yeah. It's okay. And you think, like, it only lasted 10 weeks. Right. By but the that... time everybody bought all this stuff, it was over. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you did all that you and did it's all done. That and it was gone. And you never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was over. So... Here we go. I'm going to actually save the trivia for last, considering you got trivia as well. It's probably the same that you got. I it, only got a it, couple. It might be. I've got like 10 things from MDIB, but the cast is Charles B. Pierce, Dawn Wells as Helen Reed, Earl E. Smith as Dr. Cress, Ben Johnson as Captain J.D. Morales. Um, hold on. i got to turn a page here, and it's not wanting to turn. You got a gnat on you? No, it's like a little grasshopper. Oh, okay. Andrew Prine is Norman Ramsey. Cindy Butler is Peggy Loomis. 
Jimmy Clem as Sergeant Mal Clem. Griffin Clem. Christine Ellsworth as Linda Mae Jenkins. Uh, Robert Aquino as Sheriff Otis Barker. Mike Hackworth as Sammy Fuller. Bud Davis as the Phantom. And Richard Green. Just so, Richard Green. question. One of my fun facts is the actress who played Marianne on Gilligan's Island was in the 1976 film. I don't know. Me either. And I watched the movie like six months ago, and I wasn't like, oh, there's the girl from Gilligan's Island. Which I, and I it watched Gilligan's Island a lot when I was little. It didn't her name. It just said, like, Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Hmm. And I can see her, like, in my head, but right. I've never, I didn't watch this movie. <laughs> you leaned into the microphone like you were on a fucking stand. I didn't watch this movie, Your Honor. <laughs> Your Honor. Um, okay, so I'll give you my trivia, then you can give a trivia, okay. then you you know we'll go back and forth until you're well, done. I only got one more now. Okay, well go ahead. <laughs> you do that then. Oh. Um, locals were cast as extras in the film. Yes, they were. They they play the movie by the <laughs> by the Spring Lake Park. Which is where every, one of the murders happened. Every Halloween? Yeah, every Halloween. Yeah. Didn't we already go over that? Oh, my God. Yeah, but I was just saying, it's by the... Whoop! <laughs> is that a cat? It's a cat. the shit out of me. That's funny as hell. And we actually... that There's no there's no editing on these podcasts, oh, so that's what makes it terrified. great. I terrified. I'm sorry. You were. Continue. That cat was fucking zooming, though. Right? Like, why? All right. This movie is a semi-documentary based on the real-life string of mysterious killings that terrorized the people of Texarkana, Texas in 1946. The murder spree became known as the Texarkana Moonlight, Moonlight Murders and ultimately would claim five lives and injure many others. The only description of the killer ever obtained was that of a hooded man. To this day, no one has ever been convicted, and these murders remain unsolved. Some of the swamp scenes at the end of the film are actually recycled footage from The Legend of Boggy Creek in 1972, Charles B. Pierce's first feature film. Ooh. So they actually just said, fuck it, and we're going to yeah. use scenes. I mean, Michael Bay's done it in Transformers I movies. I so. didn't other, like, a lot of people do that. Yeah, oh, it's common. Mm-hmm. But they just, like, put different um, filters on it. And, yeah. You know. Even Disney. Disney's mm-hmm. done that. They do their A-list animations like Snow White and Cinderella, yeah. and then they'll take like those those cells and put it for like um, Jungle Book and yep. all those other movies. So yeah, it's not something that's uncommon. During the film, the narrator says, if you should ask people on the street what they believe happened to the Phantom Killer, most would say that he's still living here and walking free. The Texarkana police best lead in the case was a car thief named Yuel Swinney, whose wife Peggy supplied them with details about the murders only the police and killer would know, as the admissible evidence against Swinney was the only was only circumstantial. Police instead charged him with felony car theft under Texas law. He qualified for the state habitual crime act, and received and received a life sentence for being a repeat offender. Well, no. Considering he was out in 1973. I don't know. We have conflicting, which is common yeah. for this case. There's conflicting evidence. He did die in 1994, Oh, no, wait. Though. He served 25 years. I forgot that there was a space there. Oh. He, he served 25 years before getting his case appealed and being released from prison at the age of 57. Yeah. In 75, he was arrested again for counterfeiting coins and stealing another car was sentenced to two years in prison again, walked away from a prison labor job, was recaptured four days later, and sent to Leavenworth Prison to serve an additional two years for escaping. 
Though still alive, he was incarcerated again at the time the movie was made and shown. He died in 1994 at the age of 77. Of cancer. Yes. So we filled in some blanks on each other's there. (laughs) With the film's scarce home video availability, the 1983-1988 Warner Brothers VHS release of the later 1994 Good Times EP VHS release being long out of print and occasional late-night TV airings, it slowly started to become a cult classic. With the advent of online discussion forums and proper widescreen version finally shown on cable TV in the mid-2000s, the film's popularity suddenly grew even faster with only bootleg copies being available (laughs) since an official re-release on Blu-ray slash DVD would not happen until 2013. This would rectify the hiatus period of almost 20 years. In the film, during the scene where a movie theater is shown, the movie poster for Charles B. Pierce's previous film, Winterhawk, in 1975, is visible on the left. At the end, where they talk about Texarkana hasn't changed much, they show a line at the movie theater. The sign at the corner shows the name of the movie showing the town that dreaded sundown. Mm-hmm. And also, in that line, the killer was standing there tapping his foot, <laughs> waiting to get into waiting the movie. Waiting to get in. The sack the killer wears on his head was the inspiration for the mask Jason Voorhees wears on Friday the 13th Part 2, which I already said that I was yeah. going to give away. And that's all my trivia for the movie. So, needless to say, I feel like... Because even in the movie, they said names were changed for the victims, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they did change some things. Most of the murders and most of everything was legit, except for one. That was the saxophone, you said? That was the trumpet. Because in, in real life, he took the saxophone and it was never recovered. So that saxophone was gone with him. Gone, 100%. He took her saxophone? Yes. Oh. Okay, because she never made it home. Yeah, she was two miles down the street. Right, and her boyfriend was like, let's take a detour and go down Lover's Lane. And she had her, because when I listened to what Morbid said, she was very steadfast on always taking taking her saxophone home. Yeah. Because it weighed a lot, and also... I do remember this. Right, it weighed a lot, and it was expensive. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to get that saxophone home. And when he decided that he was going to take the detour and go to Lover's Lane, they never took the saxophone home. Yeah. So he took the saxophone and never got it recovered. That's gone. That's 100% gone. But in the movie, they changed it to a trumpet. Now, in the movie, uh, he he ties her to a tree (laughs) and proceeds to tie a knife... To the trumpet part. Trombone. The, yeah, the trombone. And as he blows into it, he's stabbing her with it. And he's got a sack on his head. <laughs> so everybody's like, where's the air coming from? And I'm sorry for laughing because this is actually like... the, the he movie. has a hole in his mouth. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. No. He, he it's just should. a fucking sack. It's just two eyes. That's it. Okay, well... The first girl and, said there was one for his mouth. And, too, in, so. and and when you see it on the movie, it's like and he boom and he's stabbing her with it. And it's it's one of those scenes in movie history that you're like, huh, so that happened. That's not how a trombone works though. Yeah, yeah. You physically have to move it. That's why it doesn't just go in and out when you blow on it. Right. He was he was just fucking around. In the movie. It, that's that, it's a movie, Kelsey. Ooh, I know. I know. But for the most part, the movie got a lot of stuff accurate. 
Yeah. Like, you know, the breaking and entering and this and that mm-hmm. and then the lover's leans and all that. And except for making the police look like absolute fucking Gomer Pyle. Which, it was Fair Texas play. In, the 40s, in, in the 40s. Right. I, don't even get me started on police in the 40s. Right. So, for a case, obviously this was horrible. It affected a whole town. Yeah. It, affected, it affected states. Like, because nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And as a movie adaptation, I will give it a B. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it hit a lot of the points, even though they changed some things here and there, which, you know, they said they were going to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would actually say B minus because of the trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Because them changing that, if they would have just left it a saxophone and, and had him take it, then that would have just been like, okay, yeah. why change it for that? But again... But she wasn't stabbed either. No, exactly. Or tied to a tree. No. Now let me tell you. I will give away one spoiler for the 2014 movie. He fucking does it again. <laughs> I'll fucking do, do it, it again. again. <laughs> yes. So, if you have any incentive to watch the 2014 film, if you've seen the 1976 one and didn't even know that the 2014 was a reimagining and sequel then please, by all means, go see it because it's awesome. Yeah. I definitely like the 2014 one. Uh, 1976, you got there's a couple of parts that you got to suffer through, and the women screaming literally will give you a headache. So mm, get so. some Advil, <laughs> smoke some weed or something, and then go, then go watch the movie because yeah. you'll be like, yo, bitch, shut the fuck up. Anyway, so I think that's it for this yeah. episode. I mean, I did find this case very interesting. It is, because nobody was ever caught. Nobody, yeah. you know, it's just poof, gone in the ether. And it's something that's had such a lasting impact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. And it's part of the town. Like, they fully embrace this town. Yeah. It's like, hey, come like, on, They man. played every we year. We had a fucking murderer, eating. bro. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's crazy. And especially considering how afraid they were. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, we're terrified, we're horrified, but we were in the movie, though. <laughs> you can't take our goons. You can't take our goons. I feel like South Park. They took our derbs. Okay. So, we will <laughs> see back. everybody. Uh, I'm going to release this Saturday morning, which is tomorrow morning. So, we'll see you tomorrow. So, we'll see you tomorrow night, <laughs> live. See you later. And we'll see you later. Ta-ta. TTFN. Yes. Um, Ta-ta for now. So... Okay, you spooky cuties and hair-raising homies. Keep it scary. I thought it was... Yeah, it is scary. It okay, is you're scary. right. scary. I was like, ah. We what's, win. What's my headline again? We didn't, Kelsey didn't fuck up her own ending. <laughs> which, go back and listen to that episode and listen to the end, and it's fucking so awesome. <laughs> anyway. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good Bye. night. Bye.